Hey subs or soon to be subs or just general listeners depending on who gets to hear this um, and when we release it um, Or uh, anthropologists of the future Yes <laughs> If you're if you're listening to this in the year 3022 then I don't know what to tell you I don't know, I, we don't know how it turned out like that um, <laughs> I didn't mean to leave my car keys there Who saw Weaver winning that election anyway? Oh, I mean, fucking hell man <laughs> With one arm <laughs> With one arm <laughs> Jeez yeah, the robots really really started to take over after that, didn't they? Oh, was, yeah, he, he, he let them in. Anyway, yeah. um, we return with our premier 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 <laughs> feature, Unsung. We've done not done not done one of these for a while, right? And we yeah. loved doing it so much. It was pretty good. Yeah, so Unsung is essentially like the full podcast, but about a song. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's the, it's yeah. the best way of putting it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of classics to plumb. People that don't have a good album, but they've got some absolutely amazing tunes, and this is definitely one of them. Um, Ferruccio is with us. Ferruccio, how you doing? Ciao, tutti. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me, having me again. So I owe this song to Ferruccio. He made me aware of this band. He introduced me to it, and it's it's superb. So it wouldn't have been right to talk about it without without him being here. Ferruccio, do you want to do the honours and introduce it? Of course, yes, with pleasure. I mean, we're talking about No Tears by Taxido Moon. band from San Francisco which formed in the late I think the early 70s or something like that early, uh, late 70s yeah yeah. Yeah. Early, yeah yeah the first the song we're talking about came out originally in 1978 or 79 uh, correct 79. me if I'm wrong 79 yes and uh, it's basically the only hit that this band has had and it's a great example of uh, how can we call it, gothic electronica or uh, experimental yeah, it's dance kinda, it's weirdly post-punky it's, it's a bit, almost a bit of horror punk to it as well exactly like, we'll, we'll dig into it just to give you a little bit of background in this band so as Ferro says they, they're from San Francisco they formed via the Coquettes Collective. Now, we've spoken about this on a Nexus in, in the podcast before. Um, they, they actually emerged from a subgroup of the Coquettes called the Angels of Light. Uh, the Coquettes were an avant-garde psychedelic hippie theatre group founded by someone called Hibiscus George Edgerly Harris III in the, in the autumn of 1969. The Coquettes were a multiracial drag ensemble composed of members of various and fluid genders and sexual orientations. Uh, their first impromptu performance gave way to sort of camp drug-fueled midnight musicals um, typified by these outrageous costumes and what I guess we could call sexual anarchy <laughs> with uh, titles like Hell's Harlots, Pearls Over Shanghai and Tinsel Tarts in a Hot Coma. Uh, very influential. I'm sure you can guess straight away people like John Waters and that were, were really blown away by it. Uh, today they are credited with influencing the glitter rock era and raising the profile of drag performance outside the gay community. Um, the, the troupe was originally formed out of a group of hippie artists uh, who were living in, in Califlower, one of the many communes in High Ashbury, that, that super famous cult sort of community hippie mecca that existed in San Francisco. And uh, before the Coquettes even disbanded in 1972, a splinter group led by the founder Hibiscus eh, formed the Angels of Light Free Theatre Collective and carried on the, the art 
ideas basically uh, the band's No Mercy NOH Mercy formerly known as On The Rag came from that did Tuxedo Moon, uh, the band in question today. Uh, just to give you a, a wee bit, of, a couple of cultural reference points, other notable alumni from the Coquettes included Sylvester. Um, Sylvester was a singer-songwriter that first performed as part of this thing called Radio Rodeo, which was a benefit for the Gay People's Defence Fund. By 1971, uh, he was appearing as a solo artist all around San Francisco and later became known as the Queen of Disco. Uh, and you probably know Sylvester for the hit You Make Me Feel Mighty Real from 1978. Uh, Sylvester wrote that. Oh, had other hits as well like Do You Wanna Funk and Someone Like You uh, and another uh, famous person to emerge from there was Divine Divine really famous drag personality first took the stage at the Palace Theatre during the San Francisco premiere of John Waters Mondo Trasho in 69 um, that was the beginning of a working relationship between the two of them obviously uh, it's what Divine is very well known for uh, which included performances in Divine Saves the World Journey to the Centre of Uranus and The Heartbreak of Psoriasis um, yeah uh, really interesting movement and uh, No Tears is one of the really standout things one of the standout sort of what you got mementos of, of what took place there uh, the, the members or the key members Steve Brown Blaine Reininger I think is how it's pronounced, at an electronic music class in, in California and San Francisco. When forming the band initially, Brown had said that the only rule was the tacit understanding that anything that sounded like anyone else was taboo. Uh, in, the, in the early stages of the band, uh, they used any instruments they found lying around, including saxophones and a polymoog synthesizer. And at this point, they also created new performances for each concert. Some uh, were described as theatrical electronic cabaret. Um, and the band appeared with the likes of Per Ubu, The Residents, Devo, Cabaret Voltaire a number of times. Um, yeah, uh, Ferruccio, terrific band, not somebody I'd ever heard of until you put them on one time when I was in Bologna. Yeah, I mean, Taxi the Moon are, are one of those bands that, uh, first of all, I have to say that they're incredibly popular here in Italy. They, <laughs> they, I think. I, they, I, re- I read that because so. Bit, sorry to, to cut in there, but yeah. So they're from the USA. They, when they released their album, they went and toured in Europe instead. Moved to New York City, and then pretty soon after, just relocated to Belgium and the Netherlands. Well, exactly. Brussels it was, but they were they were more popular in that kind of part of Europe. Yeah, because they they thought that you know they will find a, a, a more uh, attentive audience for the music uh, in Europe, and they were right in a way because you know uh, they became quite a fixture in the in the alternative circuit here in Italy in the early eighties. They they 
played Bologna countless times and uh, uh, I think for a while some of them also lived in Italy I might be wrong but no I, I think I'm pretty sure but uh, they, 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 they lived here and uh, they, they became pretty famous here also as a perform- performing artists they collaborated with a lot of people various Italian artists uh, and musicians as well uh, so they always kept this this very multifaceted approach I, I almost you know in several festivals avant-garde and early electronic festivals in Italy Taxi the Moon were basically always present I mean they, in 81 or 82 they, they were one of the guests of uh, a very important uh, uh, electronic festival here in Bologna which featured uh, several artists from, from Italy and Taxi the Moon as special guests so you know I'm going to guess that living in Brussels and playing in Belgium and Holland, they, uh, Netherlands, sorry, they probably also knew people like the X. I mean, the X, the X started in the early 80s, oh no, late 70s, maybe late 70s, yeah, maybe 79 or 80s, something like that. So I guess, yeah, they, they, they crossed their path. Other places you may come across them, they're in the soundtrack to Vim Vender's film Wings of Desire. Uh-uh, you see, my heart remains the same, the same. Inside, my heart remains the same. Mon really famous movie in 1987 um, they split up in the early 90s and then reformed again just about 1998, 2004 released Cabin in the Sky, 2006 released Bardo Hotel and they're still going and also for all you uh German GABA early 90s maniacs, uh, the song My Eyes Are Dry by Scooter is actually a cover of No Tears with loads of extra stuff thrown in. I yeah. was actually, I actually read that today uh, on Wikipedia and then I was blown away to realise that Scooter have 20 albums. I mean, it's one of those bands where you only need one, but, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, so, this song in particular, though, Ferruccio, take us through it because it's, it's pretty exceptional, even just among their catalogue. all it's it's an incredible forward uh, sounding song for uh, for the year it was released uh, I mean, 90, we're talking about 1979 so not even the 80s we're talking about 70s they had peers obviously they had bands like Noi if you want like uh, especially from the European like crowd rock underground uh, were doing something similar and, and I'm pretty sure they've been influenced by these bands and uh, obviously they were suicide doing this kind of stuff Devo in a certain, in a certain way uh, bands like Pereubu, Chrome, or maybe uh, you know, in a more traditional, at least in terms of instrumentation, 
uh, uh, approach. Uh, so they had peers, but you know, the sound of not ears in 1979 was, uh, I think, pretty revolutionary. I think they anticipated the, the entire AB electronic body music uh, uh, of the of the mid to late 80s and then and the 90s. Uh, obviously, uh, the entire hard electronic uh, slash industrial sound of bands like uh, Front 242 from Belgium, for instance. Uh, Frontline Assembly as well. Frontline Assembly, Skinny Puppy, all the you know, all those bands, you know, they owe a lot to this track in particular. It's strange though because this track is as a, it, to me it has as analog quality as it does a kind of electronic quality you know it's it, it seems like an acerbic punk song mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it, it's close to, it straddles this really strange line between the two and you know the drums are organic you know they're played drums even though you can hear there's a little electronic sort of uh, percussive thing in there I mean it's brittle the guitar the saxophone you can't even I don't even know if it is a saxophone or a guitar at times it's just so distorted and gainy and I think it's a violin if you look in the oh. if you like look in the notes on Wikipedia for this song it's violin it's absolutely fucking mental the it tone they get out of it yeah, yeah. I know that in their earliest sort of incarnation they played violin and then one of them had a sort of number of shelves set up in a pyramid with just processors and pedals on it and he just used to manipulate the sound that way so they obviously were used to that um, but it, it really snarls all the way from like snare guitar to synth to vocal the vocal itself, you know, it's venomous and mm. in, in, in the way it comes across I do think there's a really big horror punk quality to it, you know, and the fact that they say the phrase creatures of the night as well just kind of contributes to that. Um, the high synth, which is it's kind of an organ sound they're using, as piercing as it is, it's just a great hook when it arrives early on as well. For me, the vocal is a lot of fun. It reminds me of Iggy Pop in terms of attitude. Um, not necessarily in style, but the way that it comes across. But in terms of style, I think it sounds like Susie and the Banshees took maybe yeah, something uh, from that. What Ferro's saying, though, as well, about some of the peers, well, well, whilst it's got a punky quality to it, it's delivered in a kraut fashion. It's quite a long song, and it's repetitive and sort of hypnotic. I mean, it's too visceral to be truly hypnotic, but it, it does have that belief in repetition um, that's a big part of like where it comes from. Um, the drums just they roll along and once they arrive they just give it this constant momentum which contributes to that. Um, I do love the length of it actually, I think it could have been a much shorter song, but it needs that time to suck you in, you know that full hypnosis thing that I'm talking about wouldn't happen if it didn't, especially for the last two minutes, when it, it just starts to you know, sort of, it grooves, it's, qu- it's quite jammed out for the last two minutes, there's a lot of like coming and going with different instruments taking the lead uh, the, the guitar works deliciously atonal, love that 
real precursor to some of the nasty stuff that would happen in the late 80s um, great anti-solo I mean you're saying it's violin what, it, it may well be but whatever it is it's just brilliantly used to, to unsettle And I think as well, see see the vocal, the delivery of the vocal, it's very heavily gained, but it, it's got an almost demented timing to it, an urgency where it, it pushes ahead of the beat and stuff like that. And it, it has this theatrical quality that I think maybe owes something to the circumstances, you know, that collective that they came from, the Coquettes, because it's very realised for a first release. You know, for a band to arrive with their first single or first EP, with this much confidence and this strong a sense of identity, I think it takes being steeped in the culture of performance just a little bit longer, even if it wasn't particularly this band. Um, I will say as well, just for a personal point of view, I've said many times in this podcast how much I love the song uh, the, the Past is a Grotesque Animal, and I think that track owes an awful lot to this track. The crowd feel, the theatricality of the main character, the use of the anti-solos and the electronic feedback, it, it's definitely a progenitor of this. It's a song that uh, caused uh, the, the for them meant that they were embraced by the, the gothic rock, call it like that community or dark wave community, yeah. very early on. Even if the rest of their discography is rarely, you know, um, if if you, <clears throat> if you listen if we listen to, to their albums, albums like Desire, for instance, the second album, they're more towards like a kind of an art experimental rock. They're close. They're closer to I don't know. Yeah, to Pereubu, to Red Crayola, than they are to Joy Division or, or Six yeah. and the Bashes from the rest of their discography. But there is this episode that really combines, you know, the, the, the heavy experimental uh, approach that they always had with this drive, you know, this 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 uh, rhythmic and, and and you know and also melodic drive uh, that, that that makes this song so unique. It's great what you said about sounding electronic, but not really being electronic. I think it's uh, one of the best qualities of, for instance, uh, most of, of, of ger- German rock music of the 70s, bands like uh, like we mentioned, Neu, Kahn, and these bands who were sounding like machines, but not, not actually, but being like actually humans playing uh, for the most for the most part uh, actual instruments. And, and I think this is great, you know, and this 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 combination between the human element, you know, and uh, the relentlessness of a of a, of a machine, uh, the attack of a, <laughs> of a machine makes this track pretty pretty unique. And uh, another band that can be compared to them is bands like Throbbing Gristle and stuff. You know, uh, they they also had this experimental drive, but they never created a tune that it was so successful. You know, also in terms of. Uh, of of making people basically making people dance because this is yes. this is a a, for, a dance floor filler you know in Italy it's a super super hit it plays they play it alongside the classic uh, uh, hits by Joy Division Bauhaus and stuff you I know? can yeah I was going to say I can imagine it you know right after Bela Lugosi's dead or something exactly exactly it's a typical <laughs> combination you know having uh, like Bauhaus and uh, Taxido Moon even if Taxido Moon are not a gothic band you know they're like no. yeah an art band an art rock experimental band you know well Ferro it's an awesome tune I, I owe you big time for introducing me to it Mark did you, did you dig it? Uh, I need more time with it I liked, <laughs> a lot of, I liked a lot of things about it it just wasn't what I expected 
it does sound quite post-punky to me, even though that was not a thing at the time. But yes, yeah, it's, it's just wild. It's a wild song, you know. It's just a wild song. Um, yeah, I need to listen. I want to listen to it more. I want to listen to more of this band, to be honest. Good stuff. All right, Feral. Thanks for uh, bringing this to Unsong. That's this is great. It's a great name for uh, for this bit. I love it. Unsong. Like it. <laughs> well, thanks. I'll pass it on. It's uh, called the magic word. Uh, <laughs> the magic word of English fans. On the English fans. <laughs> All right, guys. See you again soon. We'll see you down the road. Yeah. Ciao. Bye. Ciao. See you soon. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.